from Virgil Village, California on the MTV Podcast Network. This is North Hollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Across the table, series regular Andrew T. Oh. From Yo, Is This Racist? Hell yeah. And across the table on the other side, Monterey Fitness Mom with a Dark Secret, Molly Lambert. That's what? A, brought to you by Big Little Lies. Oh, I <laughs> thought, so, it, I thought so maybe that was Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, that's... That's, that's different. That's Okay, so the premise of Santa Clarita Die is what? They're zombies. They're both zombies? No, no. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is married to Drew Barrymore. She becomes a zombie, and then he she he has to like deal with her being a zombie because marriage is hard. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. I watched one episode. Did you really? Believe. Yeah, I did. Is it, it, like, it does came she, on. Does she start out a zombie? She, no, and they don't really like explain what makes her become a zombie. She just starts throwing up. Cool. And then she like needs to eat flesh and Timothy Oliphant's like, oh, well, I still love you. So I'll help you find this flesh. Classic (laughs) Oliphant. Today on North of Hollywood, we're going to talk about It Follows, which messed Molly up for life. And uh, The Young Pope, which did the same to me and inspired me to become the Pope. Oh, yeah. You got to you. You're not. No offense, Alex. You're not that young anymore neither is the young pope it's gonna guys. it's gonna be a lot of work though to get to get yourself to be the youngest pope look the premise of the young pope is that he's the young pope compared to like all the other popes are like the friars club like they're just mm-hmm. always falling dead in their soup and like that's so he is 47 or something and like he was like whoa what's happening we're gonna get to it though because i it got be I, called young you know for a pope i cross like a rubicon of irony with the young pope where i'm actually like no i unironically like it and like i'm just gonna be insufferable <laughs> about it like, that happens me with a lot of things you go in there like oh let's see how this is and then suddenly you're an evangelist for it pretty much everything i like i turn into that person so i watched it follows finally uh, because we were talking about riverdale last week and a lot of people were pointing out that riverdale uh ripped off some of the great aspects of it follows such as the look and the poster design oh i was gonna say uh, Lily Reinhardt's face. Yes, and the girl looks a lot like the girl from It Follows. Uh, so I was sort of avoiding watching It Follows because I was like, well, it's supposed to be really scary, right? Like, that doesn't sound like what I need right now to plunge myself into dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was told that maybe it would be cathartic, like horror movies can be. You, you were, t- I believe you were told by me. Like, yes. and I feel bad about it. <laughs> Everybody was like, you have to watch it so we could all talk about it. Uh, and then I watched it, and then I was so scared, you guys. I'm so frightened all the time now. Yeah. Doesn't it? Listen, I, I tried to pitch It Follows, I believe, to you, or maybe just to the listeners, as the show that teaches you how to like watch movies and look at photographs more than any other. Because it's about scanning the frame and looking at the whole frame. The whole movie is about that. And it's so well composed. It's the best Detroit movie. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, did it ring true to you as a Detroit movie? Yeah, well, as a suburban white metro Detroit movie, yes. It's not maybe the most Detroit movie. But uh, the quick anecdote for that is I went to a, uh, a friend of mine from high school's wedding in Detroit uh, a little while ago. And the reception and the wedding were in different places. So we were walking through downtown Detroit going from the ceremony to the reception. And I looked to my right, I recall this vividly, and I looked inside a abandoned, uh, I believe it was an abandoned bank in a high rise, the first level, and I saw a deer 
in a cubicle, <laughs> uh, which was bonkers. But that's very like the, you know, like the standard sort of like, you know, apocalypse porn that Detroit is now, but it is. It's actually like that. Like that. Yeah, it's dope. So It Follows is a super scary horror movie about a teenage girl who has sex with a guy she's dating. And then he tells her that after they had sex, she's going to get followed by a scary thing that'll take the form of whatever it feels like. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people she knows and sometimes just scary looking strangers. But you'll just see somebody walking into the frame and it's because they're coming to try to eat you. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty much it. That's pretty much what it's about. It's a sexually transmitted curse, though, so she can pass it on. Like, that's the only other thing I think that's, like, important to know is that, like, she can, by, through the the sex act, you can pass it on to the next person, and then they get followed. But if they get killed by the thing that's following them, that reverts back to the, it it will will come come back to you, to the the last, because it goes back to the last person. It's such a, the thing I love about that movie is it's, like, such a complicated set of unique rules that it, they just have to say it with a straight face, and then somehow we buy it. Like because it's premise. like a nightmare. The well, whole yeah. thing is just like a nightmare. Yeah, but there's so many specific things about the line of succession and the sexually transmitted <laughs> disease part of. Like it's a lot of rules that are arbitrary. That it it works in the movie, but really when you step back and think about it, it's like, hold on. I saw a quote from the director where he was like, it sounds really dumb when you explain it. And I was like, it kind of does, but when (laughs) you watch it, it kind of scares the fuck out of you. It's like primally scary. I mean, it has that thing that has a thing that Halloween has where there's like the daytime, just Michael Myers calmly walking after people, which is so much scarier. Like that's the scariest thing. And like, what's the scariest thing in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me? It's Ray Wise coming out of the house like as a regular guy, like when she sees him and is like, oh my God, it's my dad. Like that, that, like, and that's like totally daylight, normal suburban street, like all this stuff. Also in Twin Peaks, the show, Spoiler for Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, when you see Bob standing behind the bed, yes, that's just the scariest thing ever. And he's just kind of like mm-hmm. standing there, being weird looking. Yeah, it's not like a jump scare. It's just sort of like a ah. Yeah, he's just there. It's like a whip pan scare, right? If I remember it. No, he's no. just there because he was in the shot, and David Lynch was like, "I like that. Keep that in there." Like, right. yeah, and like just made him a character. Like he was a prop guy. He was like moving a piece of furniture or whatever. <laughs> like. I, yeah, I love this movie. I love that it's not, like, it does have a lot, I guess when we explain the rules, like, it sounds like a lot of rules. And, like, Tarantino, like, was, a, they did a Vulture interview where he's complaining about it. Whenever it he's does, like, here's how I'd fix it, you're like, shut up. Seriously, here's, here's, <laughs> there's a lot. It would be five times as long. It. Everyone's no. wearing only sandals. Uh, wink, <laughs> wink. His suggestion was, like, she should fuck the nerd earlier. You were like, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh-uh. That's not what I she mean, should that's, do. Quentin Tarantino's life mantra. I know. The nerd should have gotten fucked earlier. That's how he'd fix life. If you know what he's saying. He's talking about himself. But I mean, he complains that it breaks the rules, that the rules make no sense, that there is. It's a nightmare. Who cares? It's, it is, it's an, I didn't, but second time I watched it, like without, like with that in my head, I was like, you know what? That doesn't bother me that much. That like there's, because the point is only that it's not like, oh, like sometimes you can shoot them or whatever. Like the point is that you can't do anything and that because there's no motivation and there's no backstory, it's not like, oh, like this is like this crime that happened on this very night. No, it's great. So you can't, you can't conceive of reasoning with it, right? Right. 
Right. Because that's what makes it like a nightmare too. You're like, I have to do this thing. If I don't do it, I'm going to be dead. And it doesn't matter what the thing is I have to do. I just like have to go to this imaginary location and put a thing in a bucket or whatever. And you're not like tempted by the thing. You're just tempted by sex in general, like when you have it. And, And like, you know, obviously the sex equals death kind of weird equation or true equation don't have sex kids it's it will kill you do you guys think that it follows is about capitalism this is what i i like to sometimes sit at home watch movies and be like wait a minute this is just about how capitalism is fake i felt that way about now you see me and i feel that way about this movie that it's actually it's like you get the pleasurable moment and then like a lifetime of suffering follows you it's just like the the credit card um i liked that you compared it to noted horror movie now you see me (laughs) no that's a movie about how money doesn't exist how about money is a consensual hallucination where they make up a bunch of rules and then are like none of these rules matter magic is real all of a sudden we could take a yeah we could teleport that movie yeah no that movie look look no it's not good but it's great no it there's is so much mm. good look, uh, look if you watch that movie about so i'm telling you watch that movie thinking about how money is a meaningless thing that we've all invented as a magic aficionado yeah <laughs> i was disappointed a mage as <laughs> an 11th level mage no one calls themselves mages enough i feel uh, is it about capitalism? I thought like about it when you see like the sort of ruined Detroit stuff, which is not just very atmospheric for a horror movie, and just happened to be where they filmed it. Obviously, like it's a good, it's a great background to that sort of. But that's you know that's a symbol of you know industry having moved away and sort of left all these things in its wake. And like I, you can watch this movie as being about the way that these sort of sins of capitalism are visited on the next generation. Like we just keep passing it down the road in the same way that we do with like climate change. Like we won't, we won't worry about it now. We'll just make sure like let the kids worry about it. And like it's there's something about like the fact that there's no parents either. Like there's no like the authority has like vacated. Yeah, it's very nightmare st- on Elm Street in that way too. It's like the parents aren't listening. They don't know what the kids are trying to tell them. You but also you don't know what year it is. Like that's the it's it's almost like it could be 1980 like where it's somehow, you know. Right, it's like a it's a mashup of years and a, a mashup of seasons. Uh I read somebody who's in horror kind of snottily take it down as being like, "Oh, they always want you to do that in horror movies so you can get around the cell phone problem." <laughs> They're always like, why don't you make it just sort of an ambiguous time so that we don't uh, have to deal with cell phones? Yeah, I did. I did listen to I can't, oh, a, another podcast talking about It Follows that was like, if it, if the It Follows monster uh, re, like existed now, it would just be like uh, there would be a big Reddit about a subreddit about it. And it would just be like the person currently infected, like flying like intercontinentally all like all the time until the monster walks through the ocean and then they take another you know like everyone just keeping track of it and like a big annoying database of who fucked who a slut see, map is yeah see called. reddit loves that movie the idea because they could get around it by not having sex which is a big reddit thing like <laughs> yeah. they could just they could just every all the incels will be the safest like in the event of an actual it follows reddit incident. loves that movie because it's like the shining where you can room 237 it for the rest of your life and never find out exactly right. what it's about just like what alex just did <laughs> i absolutely capitalism. Well, I sure the, thing did. Is, the movie was so good i didn't even think about what it was a metaphor for the entire time because i was too busy being fucking scared well, one of the scariest parts is when the first guy she fucks ties her to a chair after. Yeah, like, then I was like, did I just get tricked into watching torture porn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I didn't get that he was like, you need to be, you need to have this scary experience 
so that you will know that it's real so that you will know that it's a it's a real thing so like that's why but that took that took me to the second viewing i had to see like i what also he's didn't get here. that they were in college uh, I thought they were in high school, which again doesn't matter. But that guy really uh, another another very Michigan thing. Kind of bleeds. <laughs> that guy really other. read to me as like sketchy older guy that your friend in high school dates. Mm-hmm. That, That's what is, is he not that? Is she supposed to be in college? Yeah. Uh, he had like a Eric Balfour quality. Yeah, I said methed out Pacey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was good. Uh, uh, again, the kids are all great. The, all the white people in Michigan are methed out versions of someone from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> That's a fact. Look it up. Uh, yeah, I, I read uh, I read a bunch of stuff on the internet about it afterwards to try and scare myself more. And yeah, I, I thought it was maybe about sexual assault and about how she's like, can't go anywhere without scanning the room ever again and being like, you know, mm. who's going to attack me? Uh, but again, you don't need to know what it's about to find it terrifying. No, it's also sad. Like that's the other thing. It's like uh, the thing that I can't think of a lot of horror movies that have this, but it's actually like, it's kind of like, like a teen breaking the waves or something. Like it's just, it's a real like bummer emotional experience to watch like what she goes through as a result of this because there's no recourse. There's never the part where it's like monster squad montage where we're going to like sharpen these stakes and like build it. Like there is that thing where they rig up the, the, the stuff around the pool, but there's never a moment where it's like, we're going to get there. We're going to figure it out. If we can just like on the full moon night, like, you know, put the dirt in the coffin or whatever, there's no hope. So like, yeah. she's just bummed. It's just, well, there is, the, yeah, the solution ultimately ends up being sort of a real fucked up poverty sex tourism yeah. thing. <laughs> Not wait, go on. Because <laughs> that's the end. The end is they that they they basically tacitly agree to kill hookers for the rest of uh, their lives. Oh well, that we don't know if that really happened. I mean, there's a, I, I thought this movie was good too, just because it was like a very subtle on some of that stuff. But again, then I read. Wait, what was that? That was too subtle for me. Oh, I missed well, that. There's I, like the, the cut. At, there's a part where she sees the guys on the boat and you see her kind of like taking her clothes off to go in the water and then they yes. just don't show you what happens and you think maybe she fucked the guys on the boat. To You're buy meant time. to think that she, yes, probably and then did. she's referring all wet. to at the end when the nerd sees some hookers when he's driving around. Uh, and his the look in his eye is like, oh, I know how I can manage this. I know how I can manage this sexually transmitted disease. Put the burden on poor people. And you still don't That's think it's about capitalism. capitalism. <laughs> Come on, everybody. That is the most Reaganomics-ass movie. There you I go. Like. Guys, They Live is the most Reaganomics-ass movie. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But this one's close. Uh, Molly, do you, do you now regret or support the number of times that you've used It Follows as a transitive verb before um, seeing the movie? As in, we got to It Follows that motherfucker. <laughs> I've been using it a lot since seeing it, saying that I'm afraid of getting its follows. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, I just went out after we saw the movie because I was like freaked out and I went to like a donut shop and it just, everything was scary. Mm, you know? can't go to a donut shop. Just every like random rambling person you see, you're like, ah. Uh, it Follows is on Netflix now. Yeah. You can frighten yourself. Like we all frightened ourselves. Did it make you feel better? That's is it a wreck for making you feel better in these hopeless times, or a, a pass, uh, or a skid to steer into? Uh, like, it made me scared in a different way. 
See? Yeah. I can't imagine. I watched it again in the Obama era when it seemed like we could we could get closer to that edge. Now I'm like, no horror. I'm out on horror. Yeah, it reminded me of like the feeling I have of the news just like following me every day. Like, even if I don't read it all, it's going to catch up and yeah. I'm going to find out all the horrible things that happened each day. The new It Follows is having Twitter on your phone and just horrors like dogging you constantly. It unfollows. <laughs> yeah. There you go. When we come back, Young Pope Hive with the Young Pope himself, Alex Popodemus. All right, so The Young Pope is a show by Paolo Sorrentino that was made for, I guess the, it was the BBC, I think, over there with some participation from HBO. So HBO gets to show it in America. Oh. It is about a priest played by Jude Law who becomes the Pope through a, a series of kind of machinations that you find out more about. Like and he tweets like, he, Rome is weak, <laughs> sad. It's not about Trump. Paolo Sorrentino said he he wrote it before the election. He wrote it many years ago. He was just thinking about like the Catholic Church and all those things. It's hard to watch it without thinking about it, though, and we'll get to that in a second. Like, mm-hmm. I'll talk about that in a second, like why that makes it interesting in this context. But it doesn't – it is not like deliberate allegory about – uh, DJT, sure. um, but it is Wink. like you know he comes in there. So you're expecting like from all of the all of the memes, like the the idea of this show that we had in our heads, like we all pictured like some like poochy version of the Pope. Like it's like mm-hmm. Jude Law is going to be skateboarding, that, like grinding the rails in the Vatican, and or it's something. exactly like that. And it is exactly like that every second. No, but it's about like it. it you think like oh, it's he's going to shake things up. Like you think about like what the network version would be, like the Aaron Sorkin version, where he would like actually make the Vatican super cool and woke and everything. That's kind of like what the real Pope is doing. Yeah, so this is like... For a Pope. Well, for a Pope, again, but compared that feels, to other Popes. Sure. So the context is really is Pope Francis. It's the idea of like the Vatican getting more inclusive and more sort of like, you know, accepting like modernity and kind of like, you know, bringing, keeping the church alive by changing it and growing it. And Jude Law goes in the other direction as soon as he gets in there. He's like, the church needs to be more forbidding, more scary. He doesn't appear at his first like on the balcony, like there's no light. So it's like a Kanye show or something. It's just sort of, he's like up there, like in the dark, sort of like people like, and it, and he takes the church back to like medieval style policy. So like he expels all the gay priests and you know, you can't like, oh, there's, so he's a bad Pope. He's yeah. By the, he's an anti-hero Pope, but he's at the same time. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, actually, if like you believe th- this weird institution, like should, you know, like this is what it should be. It's actually, he's like a non-hypocritical Pope. He's like, this is what we believe. And so he goes back to like third century values. Difficult Popes. Difficult Popes. Oh God. Wait. It's really funny, which I didn't expect. Is Jude Law great? Jude Law is fantastic he's doing a little bit there's a little bit brando because he's like you don't know where he like how he came to be the pope you know a little bit about how he came to be the pope but not where he was you have very limited sort of understanding of him but he's a little bit of like a brawler you know he's like has a little like hey i'm the pope like you know what are you gonna do like he gets in there and just kind of starts pushing people around. He's like Fonzie Pope. He's not the Fonzie Pope. He's like the he's like the tough guy Pope. Like he's like the you know he's like which does that makes you think of Trump too. But it, the main reason you think about Donald Trump is like 
that it's somebody sort of Wanting coming into- Wanting to go back an, to the third century? Yeah, oh. but- uh, Oh, no, but it's burr. also, yeah. Burr, burr, sick burn. Burr, burr, burr. But like that he's, he basically is like somebody who like comes into this office and unlike everybody else who comes into it, just recognizes it purely as like a way of gaining power and like accumulating power to yourself and well, figures out like how to do that. I didn't know you really could like house of cards yourself uh, until Steve Bannon just did that to get all those white supremacists into the White oh, House. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's, well, you know, it's like if you're if you're willing to play a different game than the one everyone else thinks they're playing and you don't care, there's not a lot of actual rules that prevent stuff. Or, or the problem is, like, there's so much latitude for the president, the executive. So it's like, yeah, okay, this might be illegal, but, like, we just generally let presidents do their thing because the will of the people has been fine most of the time like good enough i guess and now uh the will of the people is not we're bad people as americans but it's also like we had this, that one mtv we had this thing set up and it was like we we just as long as nobody just decided to abuse it we would be fine like as yeah. long as like and we have this surveillance structure and like all this executive unchecked executive power and it's like but nobody would use it like that and then someone comes in and is like wait i should we should just do this yeah what if we did what I, if someone did? I was vaguely comforted to find out the thing about Steve Bannon losing $60 million on a scam to try and buy and sell gold in World of Warcraft. <laughs> no, it was mine and sell gold. Mine and sell gold? Well, you know, like- No, like I do gold, not know. Like farm. No, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Basically, gold, all right, the way you acquire gold-, gold. I liked how you, you exhaled so exhaustedly. Like, you can either- uh, like, as You as too as had as lost $60 million so, doing no, this. As someone- <laughs> I just assume, Molly, that as someone as familiar with terrible Nerds. people on the internet as you are, you would know more about this game. And I don't know exactly, but I, World of Warcraft is one of those video games where, like, you can do things the, the hard way or the easy way and pay money. Yeah. And so the the way to make money is to have uh, gold farms, which are fucking sweatshops in China often of people just slowly accumulating gold. In real in, I was about to, yeah. China? <laughs> yeah. Actual, like, not like China in the world of Warcraft in the world, China. No, I assume whatever constitutes China in the on the servers of World of Warcraft is some pretty racist shit with I imagine. That was gonna be my guess. I'm gonna say mostly pandas fight there. Anyway, uh I guess fucking long dragons as opposed to smoke dragons. Cool dragons. Look, I just call them dragons. Well, I'm just saying, cool (laughs) dragons as opposed to lame-ass Western dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Funnier dragons with, like, bushy eyebrows. Um... Uh... Yeah, and and it's, it's like some... Some men's rights act... It's like... His entire business plan is, like, um... You gave a 14-year-old men's rights activist a cocktail napkin and said, I'm gonna give you $5 million to do whatever the hell you want. Uh... Which I guess actually... I'm thinking logically backwards. Those people got his, their ideas from people like Steve Bannon. So wait, can you go back to the gold? You can make gold? Yeah, but just like by killing stuff or finding it. The problem is it just, it's so that's the act of farming is you just have to put a lot of time into it. Wait, so he did the thing that Cartman did? Yeah, it's a, like a Bitcoin yeah. scam. But the thing where they just like where they just stayed in the valley killing boars that yeah. one yeah, summer yeah, yeah. where That's they just stayed in the valley. Like, yeah. And like they and then World of Warcraft people get all upset. They're like, this could be the end of the world of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and so what you do is so yeah, that South Park episode is pretty much that. So what you do is you hire 
50 Cartmans in China, put them in a sweatshop, have them all transferring all their quote-unquote gold into an account, and then you sell that large, scaled amount of gold to a white person, usually on eBay, for, you know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Uh, it's fine, I guess, as a business model. It's like probably not great that blizzard also it doesn't studio. work it just works in theory which is what i'm assuming will happen to everything they're well, trying it, to do i mean in the I, government. it could work if you're willing to pay the people who actually the actual human people little enough money it ultimately it could scale on some level except you have a fake ass economy that blizzard games could just wreck by being like oh here's a ton of gold for everyone or the value of gold changes we'll be right back we're going to talk about this more when we return All right, so Alex, Molly and I have not seen The Young Pope because why did you not watch it, Molly? Because I think it's more fun to make Alex explain something that we haven't seen. <laughs> okay, I didn't watch it because it looked dumb as hell. Alex, why should we watch The Young Pope? For me to pitch you Young Pope yeah. is more fun than watching Young Pope. Ordinarily, I would agree with a lot of things I would agree. I don't agree on this one. I think it's actually super fun to watch because you're just... I've just decided now that I'm a Jude Law fan. It took a long time. He's great in a lot of stuff. It was a journey to this point. Well, you know, maybe like the edge came off of his unbelievable sun hotness. But there's a mm. lot of talk. He talks a lot about how hot he is in this and how hot For much. For a pope. Somebody, somebody's like, because they're all, they're all, everybody's around him is all just like these very lick spittle kind of guys who are like, oh, you're handsomer than Jesus, your holiness. Or you're like, you look as good as Jesus, your holiness. He's like, actually, I think I look better. Like there's an element of like, um, of uh, Patrick Bateman going on there and an element of just Jude Law like it's just in there but it also really makes you when you watch it there's especially there's one scene in particular where he first addresses the Cardinals um, which is something he like holds off on doing it like it's the customary like you know it's like the State of the Union or something like and it's where he like sets policy for the whole thing he waits a very long time to do it and then when he actually does it he orders the special papal tiara sent in and he just looks like a Jack Kirby drawing of like the king of the eternals or something like, it's so great every shot of this outfit that he has on every new angle is like a new thing that like makes you want to applaud that you've noticed about the costume design he has these like gloves it's a really good like glove show but yeah, you watch this and you're kind of like, I'm so grateful that Jude Law has not spent the last 20 years like wasting his time like playing supervillains, which he absolutely could. Like you watch this and you're like, oh, like he should have been Loki. Has he like, really that's... not been in a superhero movie at all? I was trying to think. He was almost right. Superman. He was almost in one of those mm, like J.J. Oh. Abrams uh, between. What? He was like in the Superman Returns pre Brian Singer when they were all trying that like he was one of the potential Superman. When they were just going to go. All widows peak, no hair. Yeah, I was, was going like, to say that, but I thought it was too mean. No, was that he, a, a joke about Nick Cage being the other Superman. He no, no, Superman has a widow's peak. Oh, he, I, I thought they were just going for like balding Superman specifically. That we did, yeah, funny. they were like, we need a balding Superman. We need a balder Superman. So they were like, <laughs> we need, Dude Law can't cut it. We need Nicolas Cage. Uh, no, apparently he like put on Guys, the suit. I don't know how to tell you this, but Jude Law is balder than Nicolas Cage. He just has hair plugs. Nice. I don't even know where Nicolas Cage's hairline is. I don't think Nicolas Cage knows. 
he put on the suit though, Jude Law. He apparently like he like had a minute where he like they send him the Superman costume, looked at himself in the thing, and he was like, "This is ridiculous." But like I was but Superman. Give me a crazy Pope hat for four minutes. But give me a crazy Pope hat, and like yeah. he has these Pope outfits that are just so banging. They're, they're incredible. Like these like headdresses <laughs> and everything. Like it's pretty much like yo, Alex, you should get into Catholicism, homie. I well, that was the thing because I think like people who are like I was not. I was raised by like very very pointedly lapsed Catholic. Who mm-hmm. did not Th- expose that's the only me kind. to any of it? So like, like I, I have an instinctual fear of it, but I have no sort of relationship to the iconography. So it all seems super exotic and weird, but also scary. Like, so I'm super primed for this. I think people who are like just like Catholics are like, yeah, sure, that's what it's like. Yeah, like, yeah. this is not a this is not a comedy. Well, There's nothing weird about it. Catholicism has the best accessories, for sure. Uh, true. My mom is also. Uh, what about prosperity gospels? <laughs> also good accessories. That's kind of how I judge religions is like, how many good props do I get? Yep. Uh, and Catholicism just has so many like bells. It's got and the best staffs. It's definitely got the best gloves. Look, I like. I feel like it is Judaism has pretty incredible props though. I mean, maybe you're inured to them. Uh, you know. I'm not really that Jewish either. I'm, I'm just unreligious enough to find all of the religious yeah. symbols to be like charming. Because they're magic. Because I don't have. Because they're magic. Because <laughs> it's goddamn like, magic. Uh, wait, you, going back to a thing you said earlier about how he's like super conservative, but he's just using it for power, or is he? Is he a true believer? Because the thought, they just while you're talking, I'm like, you know, and actually, if if you were a uh, a Catholic, a young Catholic today, it actually makes sense. There's probably fewer of you. But it makes sense that the ones that are, are the most conservative or could be the most conservative. Is that like a thing? Well, what about the current Pope, though? He's trying to make it cool for the kids. He's a hippie Pope, man. Well, that's Baby the thing. Baby Boomer Pope's out. Yeah, this is like he's he's taking like uh, Pope uh, Pius the Thirteenth in the show. He's he's taking it back. Um, yeah, he just he wants to make it so that only he's going to shrink the church. He's like only true believers. So I'm going to make it so much harder to be a Catholic. And so much harder to to feel like you have the forgiveness of the church or anything like that. And like in, but you don't know yet anyway whether he's doing it for sort of true believer reasons. Like the question of his belief in God is a big thing in the show. Like mm-hmm. how much does he actually believe? Like because or is he like because he tells people that for shock value, but like what is actually the truth about? Because he also talks to God. Um, so you just sort of make like an impish face all the time when people ask him things. You no, you Ooh. so it's like you are so expecting it to be the House of Cards of the Vatican, and he'll like turn to the camera and be like, "Oh, it seems the 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 like it's not I'm like fuck that. the nanny." Um, exactly. Uh, <laughs> can I just say I really want for the House of Cards universe? I had to give up on it, but I really want those um, breaking the fourth wall asides. To actually just be part of the narrative, and that he's mentally ill, but no one wants to say anything. Who are you talking to? (laughs) The fuck you looking at? I think he should turn. He should turn to the camera and be like, "We have to keep doing this show, even though now it seems ridiculous." (laughs) I watched uh, ridiculous Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil just to bring the Kevin Spacey and Jude Law threads together. Jude Mm. Law plays a hustler in that movie. And the crazy twist in that movie was that I watched the whole movie and then at the end it said directed by Clint Eastwood. And I went, what? Oh, I didn't know Clint Eastwood made this movie. What? Weird. Yeah, you can never tell. <laughs> it's a pretty, it was an okay movie. Dude, uh, also amazing in The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, to me, he's just like the human, and this is going to sound mean, but he's like the human personification of gritted teeth. Like every time you hear him, 
I just, I'm like, oh, I need a night guard. Because <laughs> I don't like this. I feel like your enamel's gone. I feel like he is the sex robot from AI, and they just sort of put a different skin on him for different stuff. Yeah, matte. Put that matte finish on. <laughs> he was also, realism. he was good in Anna Karenina. He did um, the, he played like the the kind of ugly husband who she cheats on. And you could tell the whole time he was like, isn't this hilarious? I'm playing like a kind of boring guy that nobody wants to sleep with. <laughs> I like that. I like when a is male. Is amusing for you? <laughs> uh, isn't he an enemy at the gates? Didn't we also talk about him and his wife and the baby that ate ecstasy on a previous episode? I believe that. We, yes, we know yeah. we did. He was part of the, what, the Twickenham the Mafia. Hill, the Twickenham <laughs> Twi- Mafia. I don't know. It's, that's probably hilarious to <laughs> people Savile who know where Row Twickenham is. This, yeah. Association. Yeah, that was him. That, and I always sort of thought of him that way. And I never, you know, I was, it took me a long time. I just thought he was like, a, you know, sort of pretty boy or whatever. But like, Do you think Young Pope will get a second season? It's going to get a second season. Uh, I read on the Wikipedia, the weirdly undernourished Wikipedia page for Young Pope, uh, checking this out. Like, apparently, they are making a second season in Italy or wherever, and like, presumably, that will come over here. I want six seasons and a movie. Like, I'm ready for all really? of this. You were editing the Wikipedia, like, I was needs get- more details. I was getting in the Young Pope, Young Pope Reddit, our, I, our Young Pope. I just assume the reason the Wikipedia is so thin is because it's... Every time someone edits it, it's just to add memes to it, and the editors have to joylessly rip all the fun out of it. And come on, just enjoy it. Just let the young Pope meta story be the story, I think. I like that this was how Jude Law found out memes existed, apparently. There was a story that he did not know what memes were, and then they were like on the press tour. He's like, I didn't know what a meme was before, but now I love them like because they make people excited about the show. This is why I had no expectations going into it whatsoever. I was like, let's see how this is. Um, and then I guess it's I just assumed he was going to be the devil. Well, the you devil. don't know yet. He could be the devil. Season, if he's the devil, there's not season two. Yeah, That's I, be I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Where season two takes place in hell. It's wait, or real quick. <laughs> but like they, do they let two? them shoot in the Vatican? No, they no. Feel, they built the set somewhere. Yeah, yeah. at okay. Cinecita in, in Roma, um, and they built the Vatican set. Uh, and you can tell because it actually is like less, it's a little less imposing than if I've been to the outside of the Vatican and like you see it and it's like, you know, it's it's crazy and it's designed to do exactly what Jude Law is doing. It's designed to be intimidating. It's like, you're like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is clearly like, it's more imposing than like, uh, you know, the, the Pantheon or whatever. Like, yeah, that's how God going to get you. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't mess with God. So yeah, watch Young Pope, uh, watch It Follows if you want to be scared. Watch Young Pope if you want to be delighted. <laughs> by a pope who's shaking things up in a in a bad way. When Wait, it, we, and are we we are we're officially out on Riverdale? Just, no, just to wrap things up. We are up? in all the way. Okay. We'll come back to it at a future time. You guys don't have to keep watching it. I'm but so out. Also, I watched Cheryl, episode two while texting you uh, uh, Archie uh, pictures, like all like and just uh, you know the whole time. Uh, so like that was uh, I was not paying attention, and I looked up and I was like, oh, it's over. That's that's a good show to watch. Sometimes a show where you're not paying that much attention and then it's over. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Remember to uh, rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It makes it easier for people to discover the show. Seems like a weird thing to do, but you should do it anyway. For that reason. I think it's cool. Everyone go in, leave a comment. And then we'll, it follows you. Yeah. Leave a comment. Feel free to leave a comment that's based in no way around the actual content of the show. Just be like, this is the best archaeology podcast about uh, radi- carbon dating I've be ever like, heard. Young I'm, Pope. 
I'm gonna say write in with how you would avoid the It Follows monster. <laughs> write in with how you, as Quentin Tarantino, would improve our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> More feet. More feet, feet, feet. Oh, man. Bye. Peace. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovich, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.